Uncovering History, a podcast of the OI. Welcome to the OI Podcast. Today we're in Brian Mew's office at the Oriental Institute. We've been doing a series on Game of Thrones and the OI lately. Targaryens are a conquering family that come from Valyria and they conquer a lot of Westeros. And uh, one of their customs is that they wed sibling to sibling. And uh, Brian, I want to ask you, does this uh, come from any historical background that George R. R. Martin might be drawing from? Obviously, it uh, was uh, also a feature of uh, ancient Egyptian kingship, uh, and in particular in the Ptolemaic period. The Ptolemies are are famous for having full brother-sister marriages. Um, Not everyone in the dynasty. The first Ptolemy didn't. Uh, The second Ptolemy wedded his full sister, but all of his heirs were from his first marriage. It was only until we got to the fourth Ptolemy uh, that we actually had a full brother-sister marriage that produced the next heir, Ptolemy V, and it really got going under the sixth and eighth Ptolemies. Ptolemy the sixth married his uh, sister, Cleopatra the second. After he died, Ptolemy the eighth also married his sister, Ptolemy the second. Their children, um, one of their children, uh, he also married his niece, Cleopatra the third, who is a daughter of Cleopatra the second and his brother, Ptolemy the sixth. Brian, can you tell us a little bit about the Ptolemies and who they were in, in terms of like, um, did they, they always rule Egypt? Oh, the Ptolemies um, basically were descendants of a general of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great conquered Egypt and, in fact, most of the rest of the ancient Near East in uh, 332 BCE. Uh, after he died in 323 BCE, um, his generals divided up his empire and his general Ptolemy took Egypt. So they were essentially descended from Macedonian rulers from northern Greece, um, and a lot of their customs and traditions of kingship came from Macedonia. And they also encouraged a lot of uh, uh, Greeks and Macedonians to emigrate to Egypt. So they actually ruled over Egypt as kind of this uh, dual... On the one hand, they had a uh, sort of... uh, They ruled as Macedonian kings for their Greek subjects, but they also... uh, portrayed themselves as Egyptian pharaohs for their Egyptian subjects. So they had a very interesting uh, sort of two-faced kingship. That does sound a lot like the Targaryens of A Song of Ice and Fire, also conquerors from elsewhere and brought their traditions to Westeros. Can you uh, tell me, did they, this brother-sister marriage thing, did this come from Macedonia or are they following another tradition, uh, an Egyptian tradition or, or where, where did this where did this come from? There's some debate about that. The native Egyptian pharaohs who preceded them also engaged in uh, brother-sister marriage, although generally not full brother-sister marriage, um, often uh, nieces, nephews, uncles, and aunts. And actually it was pretty much restricted to the the kingship, to the royal family. There are only a very few attestations among the private uh, Egyptians uh, from the pharaonic period. And it may be that the Egyptians were, that the Egyptian royal family was modulating themselves on their gods, the royal family, because the gods created themselves from nothing. There weren't very many of them in the beginning, so they didn't have much choice in, in marriage partners. So you have Isis marrying Osiris and uh, Seth marrying Nephthys. And certainly uh, the the 
when the Ptolemies adopted this custom, they claimed that they were following ancient Egyptian traditions and ancient uh, and following the model of ancient Egyptian gods. So they did use that as a rhetoric. But but the Ptolemies took it to a further extreme than the the ancient Egyptians ever did. So surely this couldn't have been healthy. Some DNA problems. No one talks about uh, genetic problems because, of course, they didn't really understand genetics. But also, the thing to keep in mind is there is an enormously high mortality rate. People have argued that two-thirds of all children did not live to reproduce. It's possible no one would have noticed given the high mortality rate. Did this tradition continue after the Ptolemies? Basically, after Cleopatra was defeated by uh, Augustus uh, at the Battle of Actium in 30 BCE, um, there was no more royal family in Egypt, so there was no royal family to continue this, this practice. Uh, however, interestingly, uh, we have census documents from Roman Egypt, and we find, particularly in the, in the province known as the Fayum, a very high incidence, perhaps 10% of the population there, was engaging in brother-sister marriage. Um, which is interesting because we, from earlier periods, from Egyptian documents, we don't see them actually engaging in this. So we wonder if perhaps these are people who are emulating the Ptolemies, uh, adopting a custom that they themselves had uh, uh, you know, taken to a further degree. Yeah, and the speculation there is they're doing it to keep property within the family. Both the ancient Egyptians on, uh, and under the Ptolemies and, and the Romans, they had partable inheritance. So every child had a share of the inheritance. One way to prevent the family estate from being divided up was to marry your sibling. So you mentioned that brother-sister marriages would happen to keep the, uh, the property within the family. What happened when there were no children in a, in a relationship? The ancient Egyptians, as well as the Greeks and Romans, were uh, quite happy to adopt children. In fact, uh, they, they frequently did so to ensure that there would be uh, someone to take care of their, their parents in their old age. They didn't have Social Security, obviously, so uh, their children were their Social Security. Sometimes they would adopt them from other families who had a surplus of children. Uh, but sometimes there was also a practice of, particularly it was a Greek and uh, uh, Roman practice, well, particularly a Greek practice, of discarding unwanted children often unwanted female children onto uh, the garbage heap. So uh, people would come along and adopt these children and they'd give them names uh, from the dung heap. Copreus is a name for a child who was adopted from the dung heap. It basically means dung heap. So speaking of names, the Targaryens have these names that keep repeating throughout time. We have names like Aegon the Unlikely and Aegon Dragonbane and Aegon the Usurper and Aegon the Conqueror. All these are different Targaryen kings. And I noticed that as you're talking, you're talking about Cleopatra. The one we know as Cleopatra is Cleopatra the Seventh. And you've talked about Ptolemy and, you know, you've put a, a number behind all these different Ptolemies. What's the story with the, the naming conventions in the Ptolemy's families? Well, uh, the, the name Ptolemy, like had a certain prestige with it. Um, it was closely associated with Alexander the Great, who, of course, had and also had enormous prestige. And I think everyone in that dynasty wished to proclaim the fact that they were descended from this famous general who had uh, campaigned with this uh, divinized uh, uh, king, uh, Alexander. All the male children of the Ptolemies were named Ptolemy. And usually they had an epithet. We had Ptolemy Philadelphos. The, the first one to marry his sister was appropriately named the sibling-loving Ptolemy. He had others who were the mother-loving and the father-loving. Sometimes they also, the, the, the population would give them uh, epithets that were less flattering. Ptolemy the Eighth was known as Fatso by his subjects. And uh, Cleopatra herself, that name? Uh, Cleopatra name comes up 
quite commonly in the Ptolemaic royal family, uh, alongside other uh, Macedonian names like uh, Berenike, uh, often anglicized to Berenice, or Arsinoe. And these are just basically traditional Macedonian names, tying the family back to their Macedonian roots associated with the family of Alexander the Great. And they tend to get repeated again uh, after they acquire a certain amount of prestige, but they alternate. It's not like the Ptolemies where every son is named Ptolemy. How about one uh, juicy story about the uh, about the Ptolemies, something uh, outrageous that we might not have heard before? Yeah, I think the most outrageous of the Ptolemaic royal family is Cleopatra III, a daughter of Ptolemy VI and Cleopatra II, uh, who were both brother and si- full brother and sister. She ended up marrying Ptolemy VI and Cleopatra II's brother, Ptolemy VIII, and after he died, uh, he left his entire kingdom to her, uh, Cleopatra III, to rule with her children, their children as they wished. So first she ruled with one of her sons. Uh, after a while, she thought he, he was getting uppity. She cast him out of the kingdom and put another one of his sons in power, Ptolemy the Tenth. Ptolemy the Tenth then turned around and may have had his mother killed before she could exile him as well. Um, she also played musical chairs with all of her daughters. She had Ptolemy uh, the Ninth, the first of her sons she ruled with, uh, marry first one of her daughters uh, uh, and, and full sibling of, and then another one. She exiled both of them uh, eventually, and they ended up marrying uh, Seleucid kings, a rival, uh, two, two rival Seleucid kings in, in Syria, and they ended up fighting each other. And uh, one of them captured the other, and uh, she sought sanctuary by holding a statue of uh, uh, the nymph Daphne outside of Antioch. Uh, but her sister basically uh, had her hands cupped off uh, so that she was no longer holding on to the statue, uh, and then they could execute her without uh, uh, incurring the wrath of gods. It just seems like a very mean, mean kind of thing to do. You know, to to send your your daughters off to marry rival kings, rival kings who are warring with one another. But you know, maybe she thought, you know, whatever happens, one of her daughters would be on the winning side. And that is just a way that the truth is even stranger than fiction. Thank you so much, Brian, for telling us these insane stories of ancient Egypt and the Ptolemies. Thank you for having us in your office here at the OI. Join us next time at the OI podcast for another conversation. You love a good story. At the OI, we have one of the best. Become a member and join the conversation. For more information, visit oi.uchicago.edu slash member.